full day of Penn State football distilled down into 50-ish minutes of high-quality talk about Penn State football. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. BWI is live. Sean Fitznapauer with me. We were at Penn State uh, Media Day and open practice yesterday. We're bringing you our observations of all of that stuff and much, much more. Uh, guys, uh, you dry off after yesterday. Open practice got interrupted by a uh, monsoon in the in the middle of it. But uh, everyone get home safe and dry. Fitz, how's everything going with you today? It's going great. That was wicked, man. Just uh, out of nowhere. Well, not really out of nowhere. We heard the lightning when we were in the parking lot. And we're like, these guys are still outside. That's an interesting choice. So I don't know if the meteorology department's still in summer break or not. But uh, that came roaring through there. It was actually fun. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. But got, got to see some kickers in some pressure situations. And just like, uh, yeah, it was torrential downpours there. Whisked them inside for a viewing experience, unlike any other, which is uh, 15 minutes of of turnover drills essentially. So uh, check out our notes on the site. Uh, there's a lot going on right now. Blue illustrate.com. Uh, Nate, as I talked about on the stand up yesterday, ton of notes this weekend from Penn state's first week of practice. You're not going to find anything like this anywhere else. So check out blue illustrate.com. Yeah. And we're going to be dipping our toe into some of that. We're also going to be getting into uh, our, our practice observations, but also read and react. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, between the lines, getting my, my segments mixed up. Between the lines, James Franklin's press conference. We're going to be getting in between what he's uh, what he said and what he's actually saying later in the show. And, of course, your questions coming up on the show as well. If you throw them in the chat, we're going to have an impromptu mailbag again uh, today on the show. So you are going to be the star of the final segment on the BWI live show. But we do have a special recruiting mailbag coming up on Wednesday's show. We're flipping the recruiting show and the football show again this week with all the information coming out out of the weekend so make sure you tune in for that on wednesday we'll be getting the full and proper mailbag from bluewhiteillustrated.com for a recruiting special show uh but before we get to anything else today our newest sponsor on uh the show here i want to invite them in and that is alumlodge.com alum lodge it, if you are like me and uh you've purchased the house recently you there, there's still that like addiction of going through and looking at houses. I love looking at houses. I love looking at this stuff. And if you want to come to a Penn State football game and you want to live it up, like you're spending a lot of money to come in for the weekend, why not get a, a, in a, a really nice uh, rental house in the area? At Alum Lodge, they strive to deliver customized service that meets the unique needs of each guest's stay. So the return time and time again for all the games coming up this fall. They have a concierge service for guests to feel uh, cared for in Happy Valley, and they have a bunch of different properties, but right now there's only one available because they've been so popular. So make sure you go check out uh, right now as we're looking at the at the uh, website, alumlodge.com. Um, they have uh, they have some properties in Park Forest. They have some in Toftrees, and this one, I believe this is the one in Belfont where they get three bed, uh, one and a half bath, and you can see it's a horse farm. So if you want to go hang out with some horses and have a pool outside the Penn State football games, you can check it out. It is a beautiful property with all the things that you're going to want for, to take your stay in Happy Valley to the next level. Uh, so check it out. Again, alumlodge.com. Happy to have them on the show. Uh, so don't wait, alumlodge.com. And uh, you can call them 814-424-3266. Uh, but the news today coming out of Penn State camp, the Penn State football news. We have a news and roster update. Uh, Smith Vilbert done for the season. He's out for the year. 
Um, Nate, do you want to take us and lead us off into what's going on with this situation which broke while we were at uh, Media Day yesterday? He's out for the season. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what, how much how much farther we can take it. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, Smith is a guy who I think Penn State has been trying to coax into, uh, you know, developing a little bit more. Uh, he look, we're all going to talk about it. Um, the the Outback Bowl performance in 2021 right. Was, was kind of what put him on the map a little bit, I think in the consciousness of Penn state fans. Uh, and there were expectations because of that, right. That, that led into 2022 that never really materialized. Um, you know, I, so yeah, it's, it's a setback for him. Obviously Penn state uh, confirmed that he was out uh, due to injury, uh, you know, for the season. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough loss for him, but I, I'm not sure. I, I want to be sure that we, properly put it into context for what it means for Penn State football, which is, you know, um, the, the, the like sixth or seventh safety net, I would say uh, is is no longer there, but certainly in terms of Penn State's top rotation and who they're going to use there at defensive end, the the five or six guys that they're going to use there are, are all intact and healthy. So. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good point to, to uh, put out there. Fitz, you want to follow up with that? Yeah, I think it's important to note, like last year with him being in and out of practice with him being that was that was a separate issue. This is that was a, you know, an off field uh, distraction type issue. This is a legitimate injury. Like, don't come back and say that the same thing's happening again. This is a legitimate injury. It's going to cost him his season. Uh, So I think even though it sounds stupid to lay it out like that, like people are going to say, well, this is just a cover up. The, the kids actually hurt. So, and that's unfortunate. Um, we've been talking about that first five at uh, defensive end for a reason. Like those guys were put on, putting themselves on another level. Bilbert missed the spring due to an injury. Um, so like, this is something that, that has come along for basically come along for the ride. So having said that, it doesn't really change all that much. Like uh, you look at what Penn state has at defensive end. They're very strong. there, very strong, probably the strongest um, position group on the roster Three starters in uh, in Chop, Adisa, and Deny Dennis Sutton, and then like the five, uh, the four and five, those guys are pretty good too. Like uh, I mean, yeah. Vanover showed last year that he could you know hold up in that situation. We we had questions about him throughout his career whether he'd be an interior guy, but it seems like he is stuck on that edge. Uh, you know that the, the odds weren't great that he was going to do that, but he seemed to do that. And then Zariah Fisher, like I, I think all you got to look at was Zariah Fisher is last year. Like Zariah Fisher at this time last year was out for the season. He ended up coming back and and getting in there and getting some reps at the end of the year. So he has worked his way back into that conversation. Um, I, th- I think Amin's going to be the fourth guy. So you're talking about a two deep there. Uh, and then I think Zariah will play. So I think those five guys are going to play. And then you have that gap. Vilbert would have fit in that that little gap. Nate, Nate mentioned the Outback Bowl. I hate bringing out the Outback Bowl. Um, you know, the, the stat book looks different than the tape on that one. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like you know, that's really cool that he got that record and everything like that, but it's not, you know, if, if you were going to use that as your argument for Smith Vilbert, that argument falls apart pretty quick when you put in the tape. So um, tremendous physical presence and everything like that, but at the same time behind those other guys, uh, having said that there's still a gap there because you've got Joseph Mupoy, Mason Robinson, uh, you've, you've got some uh, Jamil Lyons in there as well. That's a, that's a big jump for those guys. So I don't think you're going to be relying on those guys, um, those freshmen to come in and, you know, maybe get some mop-up work here and there, but those guys, I, th- I think, are still developmental prospects. Uh, Lions probably 
the closest to go, but you know, he's one of those guys that's got to focus on, on, on things outside of football and get him in that direction. He just pointed in the right direction to get him started in his career. So, I, I mean, I, it doesn't change much for the outlook for, for 2023. It's unfortunate when anybody goes down for a season ending injury. Um, but in terms of positions, hate to say this if you can afford to lose anybody anywhere it'd be the sixth defensive end i think that's that's the way to yeah. go for it i, I want to circle back quickly to the zariah fisher angle of this i mean i know last year you you were pounding the drum for this is crazy that zariah fisher is back so quickly uh but like how underrated is that storyline that not only he came back last year but he's been you know he just the the curve of how quickly he's gotten back to what seems like full strength after that injury uh, last spring. How much of an underrated storyline is that? How much does that, I I think, push up the competition at defensive end where you've got so many talented players and you have that ability now to have a guy that can, you know, be that uh, that fifth, sixth guy? Well, the the injury happening in the spring, you know, no injury is a blessing, but the timing on that, I I think, can't be denied. That's a a long way. It's been a long time since he was injured. Um, So for him to work back in through the end of the season will... I don't want to say it, it was a miracle, but it was a testament to the work that he put in. That's going to tell you a little bit about his makeup. That's going to tell you a little bit about what he could become as a player. And he's still a fifth, fifth defensive end. Let's, let's keep our expectations in check here. But at that position, that's, that's pretty good. You know, they, you can be a pretty good defensive end and be the fifth defensive end on Penn State's roster. So I think he's going to push Van over. I think he's going to, there will be situations where you see him out there and you're going to think, you know, why, why is Penn State rolling five defensive ends when they could be, you know, just tightening that rotation and going with three guys? So yeah. I think mean, Fisher's good enough. Like, I think that that's, the, that, that's where the bar is at that position. Um, you know, Deion Barnes, uh, Torrance Brown are, are working that group hard, and there are very high expectations for that position. I think he can hang. And I think that that's a, you know, sort of a testament to the work that he's put in. So um, you, you look at – that's what's kind of difficult about that quote unquote battle for that fourth spot is he and Vanover are different, like very different. Yep. Vanover is, you, you know, maybe a more of a five tech that can hold up the edge, play against the run, bigger guy. If you're ever around a mean Vanover, his hands are huge. Like he, he's what Franklin was talking about when he was talking about what Steven Gonzalez early, uh, like yeah. early tenure, big head, big features, big hands, like big, everything like Vanover is just absolutely massive. And for him to stick a defensive end, like, you got to have some pretty good athleticism to do that at that size where he could like, I don't think there's, I think there's, there's probably a universe where he's 310 pounds and playing in the interior. Like that's the kind of body type that he could have. Um, but he's uh, you know, he's shown that he can stick at the edge. So I think it's one of those exciting things. I mean, we talked about underrated position battles, um, excuse me, underrate under the radar position battles on the site this weekend. That was not one that, that made the cut, but like, you're seeing battles like legitimate battles down the roster, down the depth chart. And I think that was a big theme coming out of media day was just how deep this team is at several different positions, still holes, still places they need to address in, in August, still things that they need to work on uh, to, to iron out some depth in some other positions. But you're looking at this roster and saying, yeah, they could go four deep here. They could go three deep here, you know, just all over the place. So I think that that's one of the, the things that pops out in defensive end, probably right at the forefront of that discussion. We got some great questions uh, flowing in for the chat. So we'll be getting, again, we'll be getting those to the, uh, during the BWI mailbag. Thanks to everybody who's putting those in. We're not ignoring you. I just want to make sure that we, we save those for that juicy meaty part for the end. We'll be getting into those in just a little bit, but Nate, I want to come to you because the other thing that I think is maybe the most shocking from this past weekend to me for Penn state and all of their secrecy, all of their tight photos, all of their, Hey, don't report on X, Y, or Z. If you, you know, like open practice rules and things for us, 
they're opening up a, a practice to the public coming up next weekend. So yeah. can you explain the story that we got from how this all came to be and yeah. what pan, fans should expect next Saturday and give us the details so if people are interested in going, they can partake in, in, this, uh, in this practice. Because James Franklin also set the whole thing up with, hey, there's going to be some ground rules. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is going to be fascinating how this goes. Yeah, so first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redirect the uh the news dump part of that to sean he he can handle he can look for it as i spend the next five minutes talking about the things that i think are funny about this uh which is mostly that so they're gonna they're gonna have an open practice and the public is invited obviously it is a perk for uh happy valley united nil members right there's a there's gonna be a pre-practice autograph signing which you know given the fact that Nick Singleton and Abdul Carter were in Philly, uh, you know, in February, I think it was signing autographs at 50 bucks per is probably a pretty good deal right, for, for Penn State fans uh, that want to get up close and personal with some of those guys. So, yes, it, it does seem out of the norm. Uh, there were a few points that I think are are somewhat funny and maybe Fitz can attest to this one being James saying that. He, you know, he didn't always have coordinators that were comfortable with it. As though, so this was something he's okay. been dying. He's been dying to do this. He's been dying to let everyone in and watch uh, practice. But you know what? Uh, the Joe Moorhead just couldn't come around to it. Like that wasn't that wasn't his cup of tea to to uh, open up. This the, is all Brent Pry's fault. Like let's everyone just knows call it how what it is. Joe Moorhead is. I mean, <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. The guy coaching in Sanex is uh, is the guy that was holding this back. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. So so that's the that's the first funny part. The um the, the second thing that that is you know kind of humorous is with, within the you know this is a media day press conference and he's he's already chiding the media for breaking rules that they haven't yet established right like uh, hey right. I, it's almost like a like a mob threat like i i i would hate for something to to happen to you guys where we weren't able to do this in the future we really want to do this but um you know we're just we're asking for a few ground rules it's the same as the eagles and the pittsburgh steelers in their preseason practice that they ask of their media uh, so, so please, you know, uh, abide by these rules. Look, whatever the rules are, we're going to follow them. It, it right. Like it's fine. It, you appreciate the access, especially from the perspective of, I would say Fitz and myself where like when Joe Paterno was the coach of Penn state, which, which was the first four or five years of my career doing this, it, it was live for life was your media availability. Then preseason media day. And then the first press conference before the first game of the season. Like those, those were the three media opportunities that you had that kind of carried you through the summer. It's so much more now. I mean, we, you know, we're there once a week, which is, which is great. Um, certainly there are some other programs that do more, but it's, it's a good thing uh, to, to open this access, I think a little bit and, and let people see what uh, Penn state football has going on. So it's, it's interesting and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And uh, I, you know, hopefully there is some like impression to glean from it though. I really doubt that, right. They're not going to, they're not going <laughs> to, there, there will not be any, uh, it's not a full you, scrimmage. They're not going yeah. to be running the things they're running in there during the first week of, of the game for sure. Correct. Correct. Uh, so fits for fans that 
with all that known, and it almost sounds like they're going to be confiscating everyone's cell phone by some of the things that I read in the op- in in the in the release. Uh, what do you have for us in terms of like, as he said, the news dump part, where the the nuts and bolts of what fans need to know about what's coming up next Saturday? Uh, in terms of what fans need to know, I'm not sure. This is something that James Franklin's wanted to do for a while. It's more of a community outreach thing than anything. Like it's it's been something that, as Nate said, it's he's wanted to do for a while. Um, what's been holding that up? I don't know. But th- I think this is going to be a laid back. Uh, look into it. They're bringing bleachers in. They're doing all these kind of stuff. Or at least that was the plan. I, it's it's been kind of back and forth. The first one said Lash. I think James said Beaver Stadium. I've heard Lash. I, it, irrelevant. Um, but it, it, it's a cool opportunity to to watch practice and also understand that not as much goes on at practice as you think. Like that was always one of the things that that players would tell me. It's like, what what are you looking for out of this? Like, it's, do we come in, do our stuff, and and get out of there? Um, coaches might tell you different on certain days, but I don't think this is going to be one of these days. I don't think it's going to be a ton of scrimmaging. I don't think that, but it's a Saturday evening practice, almost like a fan fest, I would say. Like that's kind of what they're working around. Um, I think Michigan's done this for years just, and they've even traveled to do it. Um, and, and I think that that's the, the, the way that you're looking into it. And James is looking for a way to, uh, incentivize people to give for NIL. Like this is kind of what it comes back to get, get those people around the program, uh, and I think that that's one thing that you look at the Penn State program, the type of kid that they recruit. And I say kid loosely, obviously, but you're like, if you spend time around these guys, you're, you're going to smile. You're going to feel you're going to feel good and you're going to feel better about, uh, you know, if you choose to donate to uh, Happy Valley United and uh, and do the NIL, you're going to feel I think you're going to feel better about where your money is going if you spend some time around these guys. And and people that have come out and done NIL events, I know there was uh, you know a group that came in around the Elite 11, got to hang out with Denai and Zane Durant and Trey Wallace and a bunch of these guys just over the moon at the the access that they got and and the uh, accessibility to the players and, the, and how the players reacted because you know this is uh this is a changing world in terms of NIL but at the same time it's not all bad like it's not mm-hmm. it, this NIL evil stuff that, that is not how this kind of works so i think that this is sort of a fan fest to get people in and see and get them around and get them around the happy value people and and you know just kind of bring people to well Others are looking for a way to, you know, sort of, I don't want to say dissolve this or, or, or part their ways from it. But like this is this I think it's trying to show that this can be a good for everybody. Yeah. Uh, just to back up kind of something that you mentioned there, watching Deny uh, in person, you know, either talking to him or at that event where you saw him kind of holding court. There are a few guys that I feel like have that, like, ooze the superstar of he was just very, very confident, very casual, very comfortable being in front of all these people that just want to be around him. He's got a magnetic personality. So it's also a good thing for these guys in terms of if they have a future in the NFL, if they have a future in public speaking or any of these things, um, another way for them to to uh, help with all of those things and, and to exhibit all of those skills for Penn State football fans. Uh, speaking of, if you've already booked your uh, and Nate, I'm going to get to you in just one second. I just want to make sure. Go, yeah, go, go we, ahead. Got our, we got our we got our fans their their game uh, accommodations earlier with Alum Lodge. Now we need to get them to the game with Ticksman Jim. 
Join the most exciting atmosphere in college football with Ticksman Jim. If you're looking for a reliable source of Penn State football tickets, Jim at TixmanJim.com, formerly PSUTixman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware for over 25 years. Every buyer handled with courtesy and respect and with online transactions, that's super important. Every, per every ticket purchase is guaranteed and most every ticket is transferred through your ticket ma master email address. Proceeds are used to fund the PSU AA Chapter Scholarship Fund and the PSU Levi Lamb Fund for athletic scholarships. Get your home opener, West Virginia tickets, the stripe out, the white out, your tickets there, homecoming. There is a is a jam-packed uh, primetime schedule this year. The Michigan stripe out, I know it's at noon. That's a primetime game. All of them at TixmanGym.com. Again, www.TixmanGym.com or call 302-521-8380. And you thought, me making this uh, graphic this morning for fans, I would have put his uh, phone number on there. Yeah, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. 302-521-8380. Nate, I want to get back to you. Uh, what you, I interrupted you from saying there. No, just very briefly because I actually looked up the information so that okay. people know. 535 to 620 outside Haluba Hall, uh, there will be an autograph session, and that is exclusively for Happy Valley United members. Uh, and then 630, the gates open, practices at 7 o'clock. So it, it, it'll, it'll be outside. I mean, without rain, it'll be uh, at the, on the last practice fields of which there are three. So you can, I, we'll see how this goes. I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a mess. I'm not sure how they're going to accommodate um, that type of fan turnout. If there is a big fan, right. People we yeah. need bathrooms, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> everyone going into the Haluba hall bathroom is going to be a problem. <laughs> Fitz, you're on mute. You're on mute, Fitz. That that was not worth me being on there, so that's fine. Is um, is anyone selling cotton candy? Like, are there hot dogs? Look, they said food trucks. The okay. release said there's going to be food trucks and stuff like that. Okay, I'm in. The food I'll, trucks, I'll be there. I'll be there. I expect the food trucks don't get a uh, they don't get a parking ticket that you know outside of lash, <laughs> which is a regular yeah. thing for everybody. The, the last time they did something like that was at Beaver Stadium in 2021, like the the open practice, which was solely open so that recruits could get the get the first tickets because you remember yeah. the, that that whole thing it was like yes people were mad they couldn't get tickets well the the whole thing was to get recruits there because it was a dead period and they had to buy tickets free tickets um in order to uh to get there this is this is a different setup i don't don't really expect recruits to backdoor their way into this one um i mean some local kids maybe but uh not not to meet with the staff or anything like that so um but i that was, that was one of my questions was like did they had to open it up to everybody to open it up to the happy valley united people and that was not it they just wanted to do something spread out fan fest type thing there was another location that didn't work out. So, I mean, it's, it's one of these things that uh, I think that just trying to get out there and do some community outreach at a time when, you know, you're, you're trying to get your work in obviously, but at the same time, like you're trying to network and go in the right direction. I'll, you know, go back to, to NIL and Nate here, but uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that, that just kind of, you know, uh, bring that connection between those players and the community a little bit closer. It's interesting, as James Franklin talked about going up to New England, spending time with uh, the New England Patriots. This is, an, this is an NFL model where they open up practice regularly, and he mentioned the Steelers and the Eagles, and Nate uh, brought all that stuff up, but just kind of the, I think when people think about the NFL model, it's always a negative thing, but there's more transparency in the NFL. There's a little more engagement. There's a little more 
uh, ability to interact with players. Fitz talked about that earlier in terms of NIL can be a good thing because you you can meet these guys. There's more uh, ability for contact, so all that stuff. We're going to see how all this goes on uh, Saturday. Of course, we will be there uh, to cover all of it, and we'll talk about it on the show coming up next Monday. Once again, the recruiting show is going to be on next Wednesday. We're going to flip these so that we can get to all this stuff and re recap the weekend with Penn State football being in full-fledged. Speaking of... Let's talk about Penn State Open Practice, which yesterday we got to in the uh, late afternoon. I'm going to start with Fitz, selfishly, because I spent my time with the offense, and I want to hear about what was going on with the defense. So, Fitz, you, you can check out his notes, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up for $1. Last day of that deal. Fitz, what do you want to share with people? What nuggets you want to pull out uh, to, to give them a little taste of what you saw yesterday? Well, it, it's tough to um, start anywhere but the special teams. That's where we walked in, and they were practicing field goals. Sanders to Haydak, Alex Falcons out there uh, practicing. Tyler Duzanski, the number one snapper, of course, is the battle that everybody's been watching, uh, myself at the forefront of that. Um, yep. But that's been a worry for Penn State special teams. You, I don't think it's nailed down yet. Uh, you had Sahadak. I guess you could call him air quotes here using the first team uh, very loosely. Uh, Falcons was kicking, but you know the, it's practice. They're charting all these, you know, they're charting all these kicks. They're doing all these things that uh, are going to give them the data that they need for the last week in September when they'll probably decide who the guy is going to be. Um, but it seemed like Sahadak was hitting the ball well. Falcons was hitting the ball well. I think Sahadak was. He, he missed one right, but that was pretty much it. I think my takeaway from that was, hey, you know, the, the talent is there. Like, that's not a question. It's the consistency. It is doing it, you know, under pressure situations. Yesterday, that storm came rolling in. They kept right going. They, they kept right along going. And uh, that was uh, a distraction. Coaches yelling in your ear. Coaches throwing stuff at you, all that kind of stuff. And and these guys are going to have to grow up quick. I mean, you, for, for all that we talked about Jake Pinnegar, Pinnegar was not a bad kicker. Like he, he obviously was not the, the best one that's ever come through Penn state. Um, but he had a run last year where he was, he was pretty good. Um, they're going to have to find a guy that can, can hopefully be at that floor and, and, and help you out. So has got the big leg Falcons has the experience. Um, whether you find something that can be consistent out of that, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I just got a question about punting in the, in the chat. We didn't see any of the punting. I uh, don't have anything updated on you or updated for you. I think Riley Thompson's been talked about uh, quite a bit. Uh, he's obviously got some more experience than Alex Baquetta. Um, again, leg talent is there. Like baseline level leg talent is there at both positions. It's about consistency. And that's going to be something that plays out over the next four weeks. Like that, that that's not something that you could sit here four practices in and say, okay, this guy's clearly got the upper hand because I think it's, Nate, it's going to be like golf. It, it, it's going to be a situation where you're going to have an off day and uh, <laughs> you're going to have an off day. It's going to be up and down and, and, you know, things are going to change. You may jockey for that lead. So I think that those guys are going to go back and forth, but it's still a legitimate concern for Penn state. Um, they, they need to figure out who that guy is and get him comfortable. Um, figure out kickoffs, figure out, figure out all those little things. Stacy Collins, I think is going to do a, a fine job in, in putting that together. Um, but you're not going to have the consistency that you've had at, at some point. I think that should be the expectation there. So special teams aside, uh, defense, not much to take away from it. Um, Abdul Carter continues to be uh, just a an absolute specimen, grabbing one hand in interceptions, doing all that kind of stuff. I, what I like from Abdul Carter and what we saw on Sunday, um, right at the front of the line with Curtis Jacobs, 
yelling at his teammates, yelling at uh, the coaches, the, the the assistants, and everything like that to get people in the right position. And that's a you know that's a big step. Abdul, um, as talented as Abdul was, uh, you know, he's kind of in a shell when he got here, and he's he's come out a bit. And I think that that's going to help him. And if you're trying to you know put him up against the guys that he's been compared to on the pantheon of Penn state linebackers in, in terms of LeVar, in terms of Micah, like him coming out and being like, and like a loud, aggressive guy. Uh, I mean, it's going to put him in that direction. <laughs> Obviously we're not ready to, to throw him out there. Still has a lot of improvement left to do as a player, but at the same time, I think it's, uh, it's encouraging to see him take those, t- take those steps in that direction because he's a phenomenal physical talent. And if he continues to improve, the sky's the limit for that guy. So check out the rest of his notes over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. There's some more things uh, that he had to, to say about the defense that you can check out there. Again, I'm just going to throw this up here because you don't get better than a dollar. And I know technically it could be free or 50 cents or whatever, but come on, it's a dollar, one U.S. dollar for a month of content fall camp sale going on right now. It ends today. So new subscribers, if you want to dip your toe in the water, $1 for one month of access, taking you all the way into the regular season past the first game. So you'll have all of the inside practice notes. Nate put up great notes this weekend talking about what was actually going on. You got a preview of what was going to be talked about on media day from Nate uh, on t- Saturday. So Nate, we're coming back to you. Yeah. What what did we get on the offensive side of the ball? Can I, can I, can I interject and loop back to punting just for one moment? Of course, this is a special team safe space. I mean, for I'm, you guys, not necessarily for me, but for both of you, correct? It obviously, it obviously lights our heart uh, ablaze. I think that one of the dynamics that will actually d- truly go into the punting decision is how bad the misses are, right? Like, what does the catastrophe look like? Mm-hmm. Truly, because I, there's a very real possibility that the guy who emerges from this is Gabe Nwosu. Uh, for for punting specifically because his misses are not train wrecks. Whereas with Paquetta, whereas with Riley Thompson, there are occasions where that can be um, like the does you just you cannot afford disasters at that spot, right? I mean, you just you, you've seen games that can be swung based on you know fumbling the snap, what have you? Any any number of things where a shank it's, it's not about the A ball is what you're saying. It, like it's, correct, yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it's it's what is what is that uh, what is what else does that look like? So anyway, I digress. Uh, offensively, yesterday I thought was more maybe revealing than I necessarily thought it would be. T Frank, yeah. maybe you, I don't know. I think you, you probably agree with that. There's yes, we we saw four teams worth of work, right? right? Like consistent. You, you saw, yeah, yeah, you saw you saw you saw the first team off. You saw literally the first through fourth team offensive lines. Obviously, the quarterbacks are the same. They're they're all throwing passes, uh, but yeah, it, it gives you a little bit more of a sense of what Penn State's depth looks like, how how things are maybe shaking out uh, on the offensive line. Certainly, it's the offensive line is going to be interesting, right? Landon Tangwell was not at media day yesterday. We didn't we didn't see him at practice, um, and that's not nothing. <laughs> if he's if he's not there this is a kid who uh, a guy who came off of an injury last season and, and you know they they missed him last year but you also see how there's positional flexibility is such a big deal for this offensive line to begin with and this is a situation that kind of plays that out because 
yes, JB Nelson is the guy who is already battling Landon Tangwall, but also is potentially the fourth tackle, right? Yeah. Like so, so they 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 just have uh, a a little bit of a finding. You know what the starting five is supposed to look like, but if it doesn't, that impacts what the backups then look like. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think we got a little better sense of that yesterday. Um, it was, it was good. It was interesting. But, yeah, they're, of but, course. They're, but they're, sorry, Steve Frank, but they're, they're deeper here than they've been in years. And that's the, sure. I think that's what you keep coming back to. Now you want your, as we said with, with the A ball and punting, you want your top five out there, obviously all the time, but you can move Nelson around. You've got Drew Shelton in there as a third tackle. You've got Vega, uh, Venga, who they're very high on as a guard, like, I would say competing with Sal Worm. I mean, Sal started all 13 games. I would expect him to continue to start, but like for redshirt freshmen to be even in the conversation to compete, like that's good. Now I, I do agree with you. Like you, you want to keep those guys as healthy as possible. And it will be like a chain because you're talking about going from JB Nelson as your fourth tackle to a true freshman in Javen Williams as your true, as your, uh, your fourth tackle. So that's going to be like a little bit of a waterfall, but Let's let's appreciate where we've been in terms of watching this offensive line come together. Whereas yeah. if you if you lose a starter, if you lose a, a a sixth man or something like that, you're you're not toast, but you're in a situation where it's a, it's very dicey very quickly, and you have a little bit more room to work. I'm only saying this because I'm writing this or I've written a story that'll go up on BlueWhiteIllustrated.com where I talked to Phil Troutwine about this this whole situation and where Penn State has been to where they're at now in the offensive line. And I'm glad you guys got more details. Uh, you should have sent some of that down to the defensive side of the field because it's uh, quite different in terms of uh, being illuminated. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a really cool transition to watch over the last couple of years. Yeah, the so the uh, the thing I was looking at outside of that, the receivers and the running backs, I've been trying to follow Nick Singleton's development as a receiver over the last I'd say since February this has been something that I think Penn State fans are really interested in and I know that dynamic quality he has getting him in space trying to find any way to get his uh, hands on the football that that's something that everyone in the Penn State sphere is interested in doing and watching his progression you know I, I've kind of given my observations and updates throughout all of this but that was something we focused on my observations are, are are Penn State practice highlights, which you can check out here on the YouTube channel. I I, sh I throw them up uh, earlier when we started the segment, but those are you can get my notes and my thoughts there on that that video, uh, which is well worth your time. It's two minutes long, and uh, it gets you an insight into what we saw through the lens of the camera. But his hands are getting better. It's just he's not a natural receiver. You saw uh, Jaywan Sider is like don't don't basically don't fight the ball, relax your hands. He's trying so hard all the time. Like he's an intense guy that is you know effort is is a huge part of his game. And and I was talking to Marcus Higgins about hands. You know like how do you develop good hands? And it's not just repetition. There's a mentality about it as well. There's you, he said you got to be arrogant with your hands. And just watching the development of a receiver, even if he's a running back, I think that's a valuable thing for Penn State to see how that's going to be incorporated into the offense. Uh, and then the receivers in general. Uh, Mike brings this up in the chat. He says, I absolutely love seeing Drew slinging back shoulder throws. Clifford, that he thinks that's something he uh, struggled with last season. And yeah, the timing on back shoulder throws, that is a lot of chemistry. That's a lot of that being arrogant with your hands. I don't know if that's exactly right what he says in the chat about Clifford, but it is uh, something that, you know, when you are good at the back shoulder, you've seen it in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, 
and Devontae Adams. Almost unblockable. And by the way, this was up earlier, but Rick, thank you for the donation to the channel. Appreciate you and everybody else. Rick just didn't have a question. I wanted to get no, that no, up he, for him. He just wanted to hear us talk about punters, and once we did, that's when he <laughs> cashed in there. So appreciate Oof. it, Rick. Uh, Fitz, you had you you wanted to add on to that? Um, not particularly, but I'm gonna okay. make a combination or make a make a comparison here. Like those guys fighting the ball, like it's it's not fighting the ball. Like it's just one of those things that some it just does not come natural. It's like Nate around the green chipping. Like it's 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 kind of one of those things that you have to get repetition with. But you, as you mentioned, it's a mindset. You talk to Higgins, um, he kind of said the same thing. Um, it, it's it's not an overnight thing, and I think that that's what you have to remember. And also, you've got guys um, talking about receivers. You've got guys that are you know, pressing to make plays. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's not the way to get that done to, to make yourself a more natural receiver. When you're talking about Caden Saunders, when you're talking about Malik McLean, uh, even a little bit uh, Malik mega as well. Uh, those guys working through, I think Clifford's got pretty natural, uh, good hands in that sense. Uh, it's probably stereotypes playing into that one, but like, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, if you're pressing too hard to make those catches, you're, you're just going to hurt yourself. So it's about that repetition. It's about getting through there. And and I think those guys are, are coming along. James said, what, eight guys um, sort of in yeah. the mix for the wide receiver spots when, I mean, you know, you think, you know, who the first four are going to be. And then after that, it's, it's a mixed bag. Like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be up and down all throughout camp. Yeah. And uh, we can, you can check out what we saw bluewhiteillustrated.com. Last thing that uh, we got from media day, and this is just following up on what James Franklin said and what Mike Yersich said that Jackson Smolk, a surprise as far as being a, a good quarterback when he's on the field having good awareness one of the things that I found interesting was uh, it'll come up here in just a second they were they were working on screenplays and Phil Troutwine is the rusher and he just he Dikembe Mutombo's it and then I just hear somebody in the background say find a way figure it out and then of course on the next time he gets it over to Caden Saunders so Jackson Smolik learning in uh in real time in front of us that third quarterback um I, I called him a stone cold killer <laughs> in uh recruiting just because like yeah he he does he eventually finds a way uh he seems to be one of those guys that's really cool under pressure so watching him develop in those areas is is it's interesting you know we the all the focus is on aller and and perbula to a degree but then when you've got this other guy who largely forgotten but you can't forget because the third quarterback you know you never want to get there but we've seen where Penn State got to the second quarterback who was kind of the third quarterback at one point. Like, it does matter. And watching him progress, I think, needs to get more credit for what he is as a, as a passer. Well, it, it's not so much about getting him ready for the game. Like, if you're if he's in the game, you're in trouble. Like, and, and that's not a slight on Smolik. He's a true freshman, like, just came in, and the guys ahead of him are competing for that starting job for, for a reason. But you look back at Taquan Roberson's freshman year, and this was something, you know, when I was at my last place reported uh, on uh, and it kind of stuck with people like he did not prepare like he was ready to go into the game. He prepared like a scout team quarterback. And that's a mentality that you cannot have as a guy that eventually wants to be a starter. I think Smolik's got that mentality that he's going to, you know, he's going to be one snap away or two snaps away or whatever. And I think that that's something that really can benefit them. Um, you know, that that class they brought in uh, Roberson and Michael Johnson Jr., and it was pretty evident, not right off the bat, but it was pretty evident because Johnson made some really good plays in practice, but it was pretty evident that neither of those guys was going to be a long-term long solution. I don't really feel that way about Smolik. I know it's only been a spring and a couple of practices, but the way that he's you know put himself in that battle, asking questions, going to the whiteboard, 
still a work in progress in terms of picking up the offense and things like that. But like, those are the guys with, with the makeup that you want to find. And I think Smolik, you know, very early returns are, are positive. Don't know that he'll ever be a starter here. Don't know that he'll ever, you know, you know, be a, a big time guy here, but he has that potential to develop into that guy. If, if that's the way that that goes, if, if that's the way that the path goes. We've got the BWI mailbag coming up in just one second, but a couple things I want to get to. Uh, want to promote what we have coming up this year. So, of course, this week you can talk about what we have coming up. The recruiting show coming up on Wednesday, 10 a.m. regular time. We'll also have KSN on BWI, the uh, Keystone Sports Show that I'm a part of. We're going to be uh, broadcasting that later in the week on Thursday as well. But coming up in the season, we're only a couple weeks away. We are going to be doing a BWI tailgate show in conjunction with Seven Mountains Media that is live outside Beaver Stadium before every home game and in the studio three hours before kickoff before each game. So if you want in-depth analysis and the best pregame content anywhere with myself and former Penn State defensive tackle Aeneas Hawkins, we're going to bring that to you three hours before kickoff every Saturday this fall and a couple Fridays when they play on Friday. Uh, we'll be getting the, meal, the BWI mailbag right after this. Are you a company that is passionate about athletics and wants to tap into the Penn State sports community? Maybe you're a community organization in State College, Center County, Pennsylvania, or even Planet Earth. Are you interested in growing your brand and leveraging our YouTube and podcast platform? Or are you just a person that has some money to spend. If you're any of those things, or something I didn't bring up just now, consider advertising on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube show. We have a dedicated and passionate audience that is just waiting to hear from you. Through, through me, talking about your business on the show. That, that's how we do it. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, email Michelle Delee Hamilton at Michelle at ComanPub.com. That's Michelle at ComanPub.com. We're waiting to hear from you through me talking about you. Again, that's how we do it. Got so many questions in the chat that unfortunately, I know the guys are bummed about this. We're going to be uh, bypassing between the lines today, getting right to the mailbag, answering questions in the chat. So uh, we're going to be getting to these, and I'm going to do a little bit of um, uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff on air in just one second. But I want to get to this one from Joe Tristito. Donates to the channel. My guy, appreciate you. He says, hey, guys, love the show. What about Johnny Dixon's game could help him take a similar leap that Kalen King made last year what is his ceiling and why? Um, uh, Fitz, we're going to come to you on this one first. What, what do you think about what, what Johnny Dixon can do in that role of not Joey Porter Jr. If, from what we saw with Kalen King last year? Yeah, he's going to see plenty of action this year. Um, he's he's going to be targeted with Kalen King on the other side. I think uh, from talking to Johnny, I did a magazine story on him uh, last month, but the awareness of the way that he plays is not going to be the way that he's going to be able to play this year. Like he, he's been grabby. He's been a guy that's, mm -hmm. uh, has been, you know, uh, tried to make up with his hands and that's not how you do it. So I think his footwork has, has come a long way. His man to man skills are pretty good. Um, it's really hard to be a corner like that. And that's the thing, like you're going to be upset at Johnny Dixon from time to time for being a step behind like that. That's part of the position, whatever. 
but he's a, a really good football player, really high uh, football IQ. He's a guy that they don't want to take off the field, and, and he's really come a long way in that spring. Like to see him bounce back, and not bounce back, but to see him reject Storm Duck, like that was the expected uh, competition, and it wasn't even close. Like Dixon was much better than Storm Duck, and Storm Duck eventually found his way uh, to Louisville. Um, he's a talented guy. He's uh, probably a middle round draft pick right now. Like that's something mm-hmm. they'll be talking about after the season. But uh, he's he's got good coverage skills. He's got good man skills. And, NFL uh, feet. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got NFL thing. feet. I would agree with that. Um, it's going to be a situation where they're going to rely on those corners to open up things for the the rest of that defense. Like these guys are good man corners. And we I think Kalen King is an elite man corner. Like he's he's really really good. Um, but I think Johnny Dixon, not as far behind as you, as you want to say, the funny thing here is I was talking to him about the sacks. Like he had three and a half sacks, three sacks last year. He had more sacks than most of the defensive line. And he's, he's reminded them about that. I think he's, he's rubbing that in Hakeem Beeman's face. Um, that's not something that he practices. That's not like they have some drills where you go after the ball and everything like that, but it's not a situation where he emphasized his blitzing skills. To me, that tells me that, you know, he as a football player, that that some of that stuff comes natural to him. And that is amazing when you're talking about a guy that is not asked to blitz, but is still a successful blitzer. That tells you a little bit about the makeup and the, and the actual football skill level that he brings to the table. So I'm excited to see Dixon. I, I, I think there's a gap there. I think I'm high on Cam Miller as well, but I think there's a gap there between one, two, and then the rest of that group still looking for a fourth corner. I'm going to see how Daquan Hardy figures into that. I'm going to see how some of the younger guys figure into that. But um, right now I expect a lot of Kalen King and, uh, uh, and excuse me, a lot of Kalen King and Johnny Dixon right off the bat. Yeah, and Johnny Dixon, you bring up a great point when it comes to uh, his his sacks. And the crazy thing is he did that, and he actually lost his spot at one point on the third down package. So being able to produce at that level, and it just goes to show what are the skills that you can bring to the table, and uh, Manny Diaz will find a way to put them out there on the field. But, Chris, I, but I think, I think sorry, it just sure. came to me. I think you can play nickel too. Like you can put him all over the field. Like he's he's a guy that uh, gives you a little bit more size in the nickel than, than Daquan Hardy. Play him in, inside in the dime. Bring in Cam Miller um, to, uh, to to figure out it, or to, to, to be the outside guy. Will you, excuse me, move Dixon inside? So his versatility really helps him as well. The question was about his ceiling. I mean, he's not going to be Kalen King. Like uh, Kalen King is, is a special talent. I think Dixon can be very good, but, but I mean, we're – talking about one of the top three, four corners in the country in Kalen King. So if you can have somebody in that atmosphere, great. Two great, uh, two, two more great corners. Terry Smith's done a great job there. Nate, I want to come to you with this question. This is, as you always are, you're our big picture guy. This one from Chris Gorky says, what is the current 12-team playoff format and how do you see it changing with no more Pac-12? Uh, this is uh, coming in 2024 with basically the disillusionment uh, of the, the Pac-12. Do you know how this is going to change the, the playoff format for next year? And is, is that still set in stone? Like, is that a part of the college football playoff that has a, a deal to make sure that that's still part of the, the landscape of the postseason? Yeah. Um, I don't know, honestly. I mean, I think, I think certainly there's, there are automatic champions, right? You've got, with the with the dissolution of the Pac-12, yeah, I think that um, that maybe changes things, but probably not. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Twelve team format will feature the fo- the top four conference champions, 
followed by some combination of the top six at-large bids and two ranked remaining conference champions. Yeah, so it's just the Big 12, you know, like the Pac-12, they're gone. So now there's actually four conferences that you have to care about. There's no Power 5, now it's four. So it Not actually four. sounds like it fits a little bit better uh, without without that fifth conference. We don't have to worry about who's getting left out, what conference is getting left out this year. Uh, I, Fitz, I, I want to oh, – sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that, like, for, for I mean, I'm, I'm reading a lot of questions that are related to divisions and conferences and – playoffs and and all of that stuff and i and i I truly believe all of this is extraordinarily temporary this this stuff this stuff that we think is gonna happen i mean it's almost like the COVID years right where it's just like Mm -hmm. well they're gonna wing this for a couple of years and then it's gonna the dust will settle and there will be something resembling normalcy but it's gonna be a new normal i mean they're not even they're not even committed for 12 team playoff past the next two years it's the the contract is only for the 24 and 25 seasons so you know 12 could be 16 there could be more automatic bids there could be less uh, you know depending on how it works out i I think that you're going to see there's the potential to see quite a few different things from what the expectations are right now i don't have a great little finger uh impression but i'm just going to say it straight and plain chaos is a ladder so the next three years, if you can find a way to get in and you can take advantage of all of this stuff that's going on that's different, you know, I think we've seen that in the past with teams that have been able to dominate a transition and then in a four-team playoff, you establish yourself as one of the four that's one of the three that's always there. And here you are uh, a decade or so later and we, we have the, the narrative we have of the last uh, couple of years. Got a, um, a, a Greg Pickell, I think it is. He says, hey, T. Frank, Sean, and Nate, long time, first time. <laughs> Who will be the holder this fall? And do the Lions have a manly award winner at Snapper? I'll hang up and listen. I'm going to hang up and listen as well. You guys do what you do talking about the Snappers and uh, I'll, I'll be back with the next question in just a moment. Well, we appreciate all of our viewers, even Greg. Um <laughs> Holder is going to be one of those situations where um, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because you've got a left-footed kicker in Sahedak, you've got a right-footed kicker in Falcons, you've got uh, you know different it, 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 the whole thing. I don't want to get into it, but the whole thing is different. Like the whole chain is different. Snapping is different, holding is different. When you've got a guy on the other side, um, Duzanski, I think is going to be the guy in terms of being a snapper. Riley Thompson was the first holder up yesterday. Um, Dom DeLuca. Uh, who uh, people just absolutely love Dom DeLuca. Um, he was in there and that's an intriguing one. I, I know obviously you have a linebacker there, but this kid was a hell of a player in Northeast Pennsylvania as a quarterback, uh, won a state championship, play, state player of the year, et cetera, gives you options to do fun things uh, on uh, at, from a holder position. So interested to see that. I'm all, also interested to see if Bo Perbula plays into this um, because he's he's been a guy that we've seen hold as well. So um long answer to a short question uh yeah i think that that's those are the guys that we're going to see i know there's more interest in kick return punt return so let's uh sorry greg but let's let's move on uh you didn't you didn't give us the super chat so we're just gonna move on yeah they, did greg pay for that he he did not he did not oh, but he's he's paid he's paid for it with excellent work behind the scenes helping me on the youtube channel so uh he put in he put in his donation in a different way Fitz, I want to ask you quickly, just this is going to be a little bit of uh, technical directing on, on screen. I apologize. Do you want to answer the question about King Mac? Uh, 
uh, that's in the chat. I don't want to. That's that's right on the border of something that we keep private, that we keep over at the B, uh, BWI message board. And uh, Michael, he's a he's a regular. He donates, but I just want to make sure you're comfortable talking about that before I throw it up on screen. Yeah, let's segue into that with John's question about uh, oh. true freshman with the most snaps this year. I think that that'll take us right into that. Um, Tony Rojas is is my pick for that. Um, I think that's an easy answer. Like it never works out like that, but like he's com uh, competing for snaps right now with DeLuca, the backup Sam. He's going to play a lot of special teams. I think he's one of those guys that is like a green light all the way type guy. Um, we saw him yesterday with the second defense and uh, it makes sense. And it gives you the uh, opportunity to be flexible with DeLuca, maybe play him at the will a little bit if you need to, maybe eventually Rojas ends up over there as well, but like it gives you the ability to, to do that. It gives you the ability to put Curtis Jacobs at the wheel, maybe move Carter into the mic. And as you said, chaos, that seems like a very chaotic potential defense. So I'm going to go with uh, Tony Rojas here, but I know um, that Matt Zenitz from on three was talking to some people and King Mac was a guy that, that came up. Um, King is very talented, very athletic and not the biggest guy in the world, um, but uh, very talented and very athletic. I know Nate had some notes about him this weekend. Um, in terms of expanding on it, uh, there's only so much you can say after the first couple of days of practice, but they're excited about his playmaking potential, whether that be as a safety, whether that maybe eventually as a nickel guy, um, mm -hmm. because he is smaller, but he also is very quick, very fast, um, has a lot of the skills that you look for in a nickel corner um, or as a returner. The thing that I will say about this is he just got here. You know, he just got here in June or maybe it was late May. Um, you don't want to throw too much at those freshmen too fast. Like that's why the spring is so important. Enrolling in January is very important for these guys um, because we, we talked about small like a little bit ago. You can throw a bunch of stuff, a different stuff at them in spring. You get 15 practices. The thing that we forget about sometimes with these true freshmen Mac, Dakari Nelson, the guy, the guy at Lions, the guys that just arrived, like that's a big jump into your first practice. I mean, you're wide eyed, you're looking around. These guys have been in this for years, following the routines, following, knowing where they're supposed to be on the field when the whistle blows without even thinking about it. That is such a big jump. And for the first week of camp, you're just kind of like starry eyed and, and looking around like this is big, this is big time thing. So I expect when he gets a little bit more comfortable, maybe a couple weeks into camp, when we get when they get into game prep, um, to maybe expand his role a little bit there. Um, but so far, just you love the combination of number one, high school production. Like we stats are overrated, but in terms of like what he was able to do as a high school defensive back and, and uh, kick returner, punt returner, you know, just kind of all around football player, um, that that's notable. Um, size is not great in terms of height, but this kid is put together. Absolutely put together. Physical. He it, plays it's big. so funny to put him and Dakari Nelson beside each other and say, Hey, these two play the same position. Um, yeah. because Dakari is six, three Dakari is just absolutely huge. Mac is a mini version of Dakari Nelson put together. Um, but then he also runs a four, three. So th that yeah. helps, you know? So I think, um, Mac, the expectation is there for him to play. And I, and I said it before, like those guys that you're bringing in from Florida, from Alabama, from all over the place with the transfer portal, keep them happy, keep them engaged, keep them in the game. And that might elevate their snap count as well. And then they get comfortable and they make your entire team better. So I think that that's probably where I'm at with King Mac, extremely high on his, uh, potential, um, it's going to be tough for him to break into that safety rotation because that they, they go four deep or excuse me, two deep with four guys that, that, that have experience that have had a, a bunch of snaps and they're pretty good. So be interesting to see what happens there. 
relative to Mac versus Makai Flowers, Tyrese Mills, um, some of the other young safeties. So I'm excited to see how that comes about. He's an exciting football player, and I think he's one of those guys. I mean, it's stereotypical to say that the Florida guy gives you an infusion of speed and infusion of this, but we've seen it, and, and it's happened before. So I'm excited to see Kim Mac develop. Yeah, I, I know I've probably been fixating a lot on this, and, and you laid out a, a great game plan for what's likely to happen uh, on third down. But I just keep seeing King Mac, and in my head, I'm like, that's a third down corner. That's a third down guy you want in underneath coverage because he's aggressive, he's smart, and he is so explosive. So, you know, long term, that's that's a guy that I think has those skills as well and a specialty. And if that's how you want to get him on the field, I think that's a that's an interesting way to get him on the field as well. Nate, I'm going to transition into this. Ryan uh, Sheard, he says, gents. I'm late, but glad to be here. Hashtag we are. Hashtag, hashtag PSU. Uh, Ryan, a huge fan of Nate Bauer. Uh, Going to shift quickly into the comments section because yet on yesterday's video, one of the things we talked about was everybody's height and nobody has been right yet. So if we want to go around the room, uh, um, uh, we can do this if you guys are comfortable. Fitz, I'm going to start with you. What is the measuring stick that they're comparing everyone and saying that we're all 5'5"? Five, five? I mean, you guys kind of look it like even when we were doing that split screen earlier, I was somehow taller than you guys, even though it's just a, a an angle thing here. I don't know, Nate, what are you, five, five, four? Stop. Stop. <laughs> Being hurtful. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, you know. Well, Nate, I want to, I want to throw this up here because somebody says height. What about age? Sean looks a little frosty around the jowls, but Nate. There we go. Think, thinks you're young. He thinks Ooh. you're the youngest one here on the show. Uh, wow. Left to right, it was uh, it was youngest to oldest. Uh, so your boyish charm is extending well beyond uh, you know mine at this point as the one who is the youngest on the show by like five or six years. But um, no one got the height right, and everyone is way too low on me and Fitz or me and Nate. So Thank just you. wanted to to clean that up from yesterday's show. And for Nate uh, and myself, we'll we'll keep that guessing game going or not. It might be too hurtful. We'll see. As long as the comedy <laughs> stylings are there, that's all that matters is just the, yes. the comedic aspect of me towering over you guys. And I know Greg, Greg's a tall guy too, but uh, it's, it's, it's very funny to me. And that's just me looking down on you literally, literally figuratively, whichever we want. And by the way, yes, there's frost here. It's roughly seven to nine years old, uh, <laughs> second grade and fourth grade. And that's, I did not have this beforehand. So, and I'm also younger than Nate. So yeah, there we go. That one I didn't that's know. True. Yeah, uh, David here in the chat asks for an upcoming show. Can you please prepare graphics shows players who are changing uniform numbers in 2023? If I can see it, I can remember it. That's a great, that's a great idea because Malik mega out there wearing number four, that confused me for a good practice and a half before I realized that the tall guy is still Malik mega. Cause there was a quick second. I was like, that's not Dante Cephas. And uh, yeah, uh, that that's something that I think we can, we can definitely get for a future show. Uh, Steven says, thanks for another fine Monday morning. Great job on the weekend coverage. Thank you, Steven. Thank you for being here uh, all weekend long and over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Just want to remind you one more time. It's a dollar. This is your last day to get in for a dollar and get one month of access uh, to the site. Uh, of course, you can subscribe here to the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel for free, and you can uh, like this video. helps us out with all that stuff. That's it for the chat. Seems like we've got a, uh, a complete breakdown of what we saw here from everyone in the chat. Um, got this last thing, Trey Potts. Everyone's sleeping on Trey Potts, according to Gil Alvarez. Any last thoughts as we get out of here? Any guys you want to mention? Anything from yesterday? Nate, we'll come to you 
uh, and then we'll we'll end with Fitz. Sure. Uh, your Phil Troutwine story reminded me of something that happened with um, with Anthony Poindexter throwing in between or around. To, I don't know what you're going to call them. The tall bags, like the, the bag, yeah, the, the bags, bag, the tall, the tall ones that stand up. And uh, and Keaton Ellis was running through the line, and uh, Poindexter's pass like ricocheted off of the bag and just way far away. And from maybe forty yards away, you could hear Franklin say, "Catch it anyway, Keaton." <laughs> the level of expectation for those guys, um, and especially the top four. When you watch the safeties go through the line, the top four safeties looked like the top four safeties, and then when you got to the guys at the back of the line. The ball hit the ground quite a bit more. So the yeah. whole tide turnover king from the spring, I actually believe it now watching all four of those guys catch the football. Gumby could not have caught that pass. There was no human alive who could have uh, picked that out of the air. But anyway, it was fun. James preparing for the in-game thread uh, for week two. I'm sure. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> this is an embarrassment. Fitz, last thoughts. Uh, Malik Mega is now number four. Amin Vanover is now number 15, which has just completely yep. messed with my mind. Uh, going from 56 to 15 is crazy. Uh, Christian Driver now number 80. Um, he's changed from 13, uh, which I think they would have had three 13s on the roster. So, yes, those things will uh, be crazy. We'll get T. Frank to make a graphic for you. Um, but uh, number changes, man. That's where we're at. Uh, <laughs> and, and otherwise, Penn State's got a pretty good football team. So excited to talk about that. We'll be back later this week to talk recruiting. Uh, definitely check out bluewhiteillustrated.com. As I said, Nate put some notes up. I put some notes up. There's a lot of notes. Media Day is great. We get a lot of quotes. The story is more than quotes when we're talking about um, tracking Penn State football, tracking uh, camp and things like that. Um, quotes will get you some, but uh, the actual insight is uh, is good stuff. So I, I recommend you check that out uh, on blueitillustrated.com. That'll do it for us today. We'll be back on Wednesday with our recruiting show. We'll have a mailbag over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. But, of course, you can come here in the live chat. We can hang out just like we did today. So, awesome show. Thanks to everybody who contributed. Uh, many hands make light work, and this was a breeze for me to get through the show today. Uh, navigating everything because you had awesome stuff. The guys on camera brought it. The guys in the chat brought it. And uh, the ladies as well. Some of the uh, – I don't want to leave anybody out because don't know everyone's screen name. Sometimes they're uh, – they're, they're, what do you call that? the nom de plume or did i just ruin this i'm just gonna get out of here now that's it for the show today we'll talk to you on wednesday <laughs>